0: Ahoy there, Marley mates, and welcome back to the program, Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast, where we talk about all things art-related, popular culture, mental health, and other fun stuff. So it's all over the place. If you haven't joined us before, please catch up on some previous episodes. You'll find that we talk about a variety of things. Every once in a while, we have a special guest on the program, and uh, we just have a little bit of fun. So, as I'm recording this this morning, it is the 7th of July, and on the cusp of the 4th of July holiday, we did a special Facebook Live in which I'll record the audio and make that into a future broadcast. But the good news is that uh, it turns out Kid Rock woke up the next morning, saw his shadow, so that means we have uh, six more weeks of fireworks, folks. So, yeah, stand by to stand by. But this week we're going to talk about a piece that I did as a a sculpture. It's an untitled piece. And even though I've done a series of mannequin pieces that I haven't really uh, discussed in detail on the program, I will eventually. This is not part of that series, but it's it's similar to the style that I used to create them. And it was kind of a giant doodle, if I could explain it. In such a way, and I will. I'll break it down, and we'll talk about it in great detail. But this is this is going to be the piece. Uh, originally, I bought a handful of different mannequin uh, pieces. I guess is the best way to put it. I it was a a lot of three different. Two of them were freestanding torsos on a base that were hollow. And I used one of those for this piece. It was actually fairly light. It was almost like a very lightweight plastic similar to that of the, the older style vacuum formed Halloween masks. A little bit thicker than that. So I had to do a little bit of reinforcement. And it, um, it all came together. So it's a, uh, about 40 inches tall, all, consi- all things considered, 30 inches across. I finished the piece on 11 June of 23 and it's it's very much like the rest of most of my work mixed media collage it's got a foundation of paper mache and decoupage with acrylic paint sharpie paint pens and a few other embellishments along the way so we'll get into it and go from there originally Back when the Metallica newest record came out, 72 seasons, anytime that I go get new music, I go to a Rochester landmark. I don't know if it's officially declared as such, but the Great, Great House of Guitars is just an incredible, incredible music store. And it was uh, actually opened in 1964. By uh, selling guitars, and they're very passionate about music. They're musicians themselves, and they uh, they have the front of the store, which is as the uh, the the imagery that they use in a lot of their advertising and, and logos represent. And that's that's the instrument side of the house. Then the other side of the house is where their archive of just everything otherwise is located. I'm talking. CDs, tapes, vinyl, t-shirts, posters, stickers, like you name it, all things music. Um, just a really chaotic environment. You walk in there and for people that have severe anxiety, this might not be the place for you because you walk in and it's just madness. And like, I'm a guy who's very... OCD when it comes to structure and organization and not having a a mess everywhere. And yeah, somehow it's, it's kind of a happy place for me because if you are looking for any particular type of music, they've got it. And, you know, if you're looking for a particular album or artist or, you know, anytime new music is released, if they don't have it, nobody else does. So, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Um, I'm a physical media kind of guy. I need to hold it. I need to buy it. I want to have the CD or the vinyl. I want to look at the liner notes. I want to embrace the album art. I want to actually hold it and touch it and have it. If I don't have it, like, I'm not the kind of guy who's just going to download music and be satisfied with that. Because to me, if I can't touch it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I can listen to it, but you know, who's to say that something happens and I lose that music, then it's gone. And that's not how I roll. So of course, yeah, something could happen to my physical media, but what's cool is I'll get it and I'll load it onto my computer and then I will transfer it onto my USB stick and I'll have it in my truck and I'll be able to listen to it in multiple forms, but I've got to have it. I've got to be able to hold it. Um, but that's just me, but it's the same thing with music, movies, whatever. I I need to have the physical media. Otherwise like, that's, that's just me anyways there's so much more than just the album itself i, I, I like i said I, I love looking at the liner notes the lyrics all of the the album art especially when bands take the time to put together stuff like that um, it's an experience it's, it's it's part of the the process and so i can just remember as a kid getting tapes and sometimes like the cassette tape would have basically as simple as the front piece and then the side piece that had the the title on it and and that was it. It was very basic, and it was just just a, a piece of the insert there. And then other times you would open it up, and it would be like the centerfold of a Playboy, where it would just keep going, and you would just open it up, and it would unfold for days, and it would just have layers upon layers of of the smallest print possible to, to squeeze it all in together. But that was that was the deal. Like you would you would listen to it over and over, side to side, and you know, tapes have a side A and a side B, so naturally the, the progression when when CDs were involved were uh, developed to, to have it be a CD, right? A, B, C, D. So, anyways, the, the album art is, is just something else. I'm getting off on a tangent. Let's talk about the artwork. So, when I went to pick up the new Metallica record, they had, uh, the night before, had a midnight release party, which I didn't realize, and had I known, I would have gone to that, but Basically, they had some flyers while I was there, and then they had their, their standard uh, monthly newsletter. And when I say a standard monthly newsletter, these guys are doing it the way they always did. And it was basically a stack of papers that were folded in half, and that was your newsletter. It was physical media, again, like of course we could nowadays put everything out online and it's all in digital print and it's instant. These guys took the time to put this together, to actually format it, to put it into a newsletter, you know, type of content. And it's, it was black ink printed on white paper. And that's that. And it was just like simple, basic and classic because so long ago, that's how things were, were done. And it was just like a very crude and kind of put together type Newsletter, and so this had all sorts of things from upcoming album releases to re-releases, uh, just events, upcoming concerts. There was there were some uh, musicians featured in there, and then also just the logo of the Great House Guitars over and over again within it. So I saw this, and I'm like, "This is great! I want to use this somehow. I want to be able to incorporate this into a piece." And so I had this, this uh, torso that I wanted to utilize in some fashion, but I hadn't quite thought about what I was going to do yet. And so I figured what I would do is just use this newsletter as the foundation. So I took the torso. I actually acquired a foam mannequin head. It's uh, just a smaller head with no ears on it. And so it's just a very kind of petite head, but it's proportionally accurate for the piece. And I actually had uh, a couple of antlers. Yes, antlers. They were not real. Of course, they were just decor, but they were from uh, from Christmas, and I got them at Michael's on clearance. I bought, a, uh, I think, four altogether, and I've, I've used two of them in a different piece, and then I just thought, I'm going to just put these on here just because. Just and when I say this was very much a doodle, like that's really where it was because I didn't have a, a vision in mind and I just wanted to kind of see where it would go. And so I attached the head, I attached the antlers, and then I just started going to town with paper mache and decoupage of all of the, the torn up newsletter. And for the head, I used just a plain brown paper bag. And eventually worked it up onto the antlers to kind of reinforce those. I attached them just into the foam and with hot glue. I use hot glue a lot. I use a lot of hot glue. And so I, that's what I did. I used that as the foundation and then I just started painting. Uh, I started painting with the head primarily. Hold on, let me let me backpedal a little bit. I forgot. Uh, I needed to reinforce this. I think I mentioned that because because of the the weight of everything and because of the the, uh, the thinness of the plastic i had to reinforce it somehow so that it could it could stand on its own given the weight of whatever i added to it and so to make it a little more robust i used great stuff foam caulk caulk and it's like a an, an expansion foam it's used for filling cracks and and crevices and in like around windows and doors and things of that nature but i use it and have used it for many many years primarily for building halloween props which uh i'm working on one right now and it's freaking redonkulous but i used uh copious amounts of of this stuff and it's great stuff great stuff hence the name So I used that and I just filled in the back and the bottom base of the piece so that it would have a little more rigidity, a little more structure and and weight to it so that it could be stronger. But unlike some of the other mannequin pieces that I've done, I had no intention of utilizing the bag because it was open and it was hollow. Once I sprayed the foam in there, it was just kind of this ugly, crude, um, just filler with no particular rhyme or reason, so I decided what I would do with it once I finished the the front focal area was that I filled the entire back of the foam with silk flowers and i 've used them a lot in other pieces, but this was mostly just to to kind of take away from the the ugliness of the foam but uh as it turned out, and i 'll talk about that in the towards the end, but like those silk flowers ended up being a pretty significant part of the piece to kind of juxtapose the the front perspective and the back perspective. So, uh, like I said, I'll come back to that. But let me let me just talk about what the the whole purpose of it all. So, I um I treated this like a huge doodle, and I just started going at it. I started with the face, and I thought. I would work the Misfits, Crimson Ghost, the, the fiend skull onto the face again. And I've used that on another piece, but I, I love painting it. And it's, um, it's very iconic when it comes to, to the Misfits and, and punk music and so forth. But I thought I would do so with a different color scheme. And I started using pinks and purples and blues. And, um, and it was fine, but it wasn't necessarily what I thought I wanted on there. So I just started, doing more. I just kept going with it. And as time went on, I ended up doing more detail around the mouth and nose and eyes that it eventually no longer even resembled the Crimson Ghost. And so the mouth itself is just kind of um, of a series of just jagged edges and lines, and it's not really any specific form. It's just where the mouth would be. So there's not much of a, a detail in terms of teeth or even any dimension or, or depth. It's just kind of a flat uh, series of line work. Now, obviously, the the face itself is textured and has has shape and dimension to it because it is indeed a foam head. So where the nose is, it, it does still have a what looks like a painted-on cavity of where a nose would be in, in terms of a skull. But I painted eyes on it. I painted... Uh, some very detailed and kind of abstract looking eyes that are, are fairly unique in terms of the color scheme and line work around them. So they're not uh, a very realistic looking eyeball, but they're clearly eyes because they are where the eyes are located and the the color usage is everything from black, white, like teal. There's some reds and some yellows in there. So it's kind of just... Very abstract in terms of of what the appearance looks like. And then, and then, and then, in the middle of the forehead is a giant eyeball that is clearly a giant eyeball, kind of right in the middle, that big third eye. And uh, around kind of the exterior of the face, just around the edge of the head, I've got just a lot of. A variety in terms of color and shape and line work and just filler. And this is very much where the doodle kind of comes into play. And I didn't necessarily do this, you know, as I was working on it and kind of worked my way down, like I would often do a part of it and then I'd come back to another part of it and I would just kind of be random and all over the place with it. And so as I describe it to you, the antlers on the top of the head were originally like a cream color. And so the exterior of the head that's around the face is very green in nature, like a very kind of a, just a vibrant, like grass green color. And it goes up around the head and up kind of onto the antlers a little bit. And so the antlers have this kind of blending where they just kind of melt into the head itself. And then towards the top is kind of that original cream color with some highlights of, of some gold metallics on there. And around the face, where it kind of dips in a little bit from place to place, I just did some, some kind of pattern line work, almost like a, a plaid or a grid pattern with, with paint pens, with blues and whites and silvers. And then as you kind of work your way down the neck, it resembles somewhat of a skeletal neck form and again, with more line work around it with the uh, tentacles. So I used uh, the Kraken tentacles. It kind of surrounds the shoulder area and starts at the head, kind of works its way down. And it's, it's kind of draping over both shoulders. And one of them kind of, well, there's a handful of them They're you can't really tell where one starts and stops and the other one picks up. So there are several. And there's at least five or six on here that I that I can count that I'm looking at right now. And they're they're green in nature. They look like they're kind of coming up out of the water. There's like water dripping off of them in detail. And then of course like the little grippies underneath. And so they they kind of just like curl around and they're engulfing the, the shoulders and kind of draping down over the front of the, the piece. And one of them kind of comes around in circles and kind of grasps the, uh, the left breast. And so with that, uh, what I've used in several other pieces lately and over the course of this past you know, year-ish uh, is the broken heart motif. And so there's uh, a use of this broken heart imagery in a lot of the stuff that I've done uh, for the past several months where it's kind of a layered heart that's broken, but it's it's reattached and stitched back together. And there's uh, there's some bleeding elements to this one. And so I've, I've decided and realized that uh, I think I'm kind of done with doing the broken heart thing for a while. And uh, I don't see the need to continue that anymore. I feel like sometimes um, when it comes to a broken heart, it's not so much... About the fact that it ever fully heals, it just kind of becomes stronger, uh, more resilient, and uh, I would say that it probably just kind of develops some scar tissue, and you just you power through. And so, um, yeah. On the uh, on the breasts themselves, I've got some X's, and I, I've liked I like the use of that. I see it in a lot of photography and in other work where. Uh, over the nipples, like people will use just like a plain black X. And so instead of using a black X, I've got a few different colors here. I've got like a teal and then a light blue and then just like a very thin red line X. And so the, each of the the X's that are layered kind of get thinner and thinner until the middle, which is just a, a basic paint pen. But um, yeah, it's just just a little variety there. Now, the cool thing that I really – one of my favorite parts of the whole piece is over the, the right breast is a character from a film that was made for TV called The Trilogy of Terror. And I was introduced to this film by a good friend of mine, and uh, it's, it's money. And what's cool about it – I say it's made for TV, but it's, I, I got to tell you, it's got to be one of the scariest films that people who are in the know, if you know, you know. People that watch this film, they know that the way it was done and the, and the way it was filmed is really pretty significant. And it was it was made in 1975, and it stars Karen Black, and, and as a trilogy is, it has three different stories, and she stars in each one of them. And the one takeaway that I, I used, and probably the most iconic piece from the film is the Zuni fetish doll, so I'm not going to go into a a tremendous amount of detail about the picture itself because I want you, if you're interested, to to check it out. I've got it on DVD, of course, Um, and I'm happy to lend it to you, but uh, yeah, it's it's worth a watch. It's pretty cool, but the Zuni fetish doll is is definitely the the icing on the cake, and so I just did kind of a close-up picture. Uh, close-up image of the face and hair and teeth. Really, it's the teeth and the eyes of this doll that that get you. And so, I've actually considered making an actual replica of this thing, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But I would absolutely love to do that, and I will be doing that at some point because it's just it's it's pretty cool. Um, but definitely uh, check out the film, and even for a made-for-TV movie. Um, It'll, it'll get you. It's, it's well done. And so I, um, I use that there. And then if you were to work towards the middle of the piece, towards the bottom, I have a huge, like a really big image of Huckleberry Hound. And you're like, what in the holy hell would you put Huckleberry Hound on a piece like that? It doesn't make any sense. None of it fits. It was just like whatever I feel like. I've been on a cartoon kick lately, and as as I mentioned in the pilot episode, I took a tremendous amount of inspiration and development from just drawing cartoons as a child. And so that's kind of where I have, uh, I learned to develop some of my artistic ability, which is kind of recreating and, and reproducing famous cartoon characters that I grew up watching. And so uh, I've been doing several pieces like that lately, where I, I take just a an artist print or like something that, um, you know, often you can go and you can have them print at Walgreens or whatever, where you can have, you can take your own photography and put it on canvas where people do that. They donate them to thrift shops and I'll snatch them up and it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, it's just kind of a, a formed background and I'll, I'll put a random cartoon character on there. Just because. And so I've done that with a handful of pieces. I've, I've talked about some on the show. But I've got several that are uh, created that I haven't talked about and so, several that are still in progress. But I, I kind of applied that same concept here and I just put this giant Huckleberry Hound face on there. And My grandfather loved, 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 loved watching cartoons. And maybe I, that's where I get it from. But he was very much uh, a Hanna-Barbera guy, a Tom and Jerry, a Looney Tunes. And you know, so I've I've done a handful of pieces that kind of captured some of those magical characters, and so I put I put Huckleberry on here, and yeah, he's very much uh, just basic color schemes. He's got his his reds, his blues, and yellows, and blacks, and then it's trimmed out in black sharpie and, and white paint pen, red paint pen, blue paint pen. So it's got some pop to it. It definitely kind of has very almost um, graffiti-like characteristics in terms of the line usage and the the way the colors come together and how it's kind of juxtaposed against the the collage of the newsletter. It very much represents like a newsprint-looking background where it just looks like a tore-up newspaper. And so kind of shifting over again to the left-hand side of the piece, is one of the founding owners of the House of Guitars, Armand, and he's wearing a shirt. It's definitely a very older picture of him, and it's very. uh, it looks like it's been reproduced several times where it's a very basic um, black-and-white image, and it was in the newsletter. And the shirt says, Kill Me on it, and it has a a target. And so where the whole background of all the – the newsletter clippings and, and torn pieces of paper are all in the grayscale. It's all black and white. Just on the target itself, I went over that in red. So it's got a red and white target on there, but it's, it's just against the, the black and white background. So it really it kind of pops through. Opposite that, on the right-hand side, I utilized a stencil that I had once made of C-3PO's head and depending on the angle in which you look at it you can't necessarily tell it doesn't really stand out super prominently until you actually realize what you're looking at but all i did was use gold uh, a metallic gold and white and so it's very subtle but it's there and it's it's against the black and white it kind of overlaps on huckleberry's here and Um, yeah, he's just kind of there, just kind of hanging out. So like the whole piece is just very graffiti, like very, um, just random and all over the place. And then as you kind of make your way down to the very bottom edge of the torso, there's a platform that kind of protrudes out to give it the balance to freestand on its own. And it's just like a little, almost a rectangular piece to help kind of counter the weight of the the top of it. And with that, again, I continued the the decoupage uh, newsletter. On the very front edge of the platform, I used a teal kind of just wash towards the bottom. And then I added a black silhouetted skyline. So along the very front edge, it's got that cityscape look to it so that it it really even more so plays into the graffiti element of it all. On the flat edge of the top of the platform, I used a stencil that says Eerie, and it's done so in the style of Eerie Magazine, which is a Vintage Monster Magazine comic, and I used very subtle grays uh, like a a very light blue and black to add the stencil on here but the way it's it's written you can see it because it's against some of the other teal that i used on the piece but it it very well blends into the background of the black and white newsletter material because it's it's fairly subtle but it's there and then i used another stencil with my name my last name marlette and uh, put that on there as well I've got a little bit of a graffiti paint pen, blue and white spiderweb in the corner. And then I was listening to Misfits as I was kind of wrapping this up in terms of the the painting and the work around just the the uh, the piece itself. And I used a quote and it's, Mommy, can I go out and kill tonight? Don't read into it. I'm not a savage. I'm not going to go put hands on anybody. But um it just fit it just it worked and so that was the song at the time i wanted something to kind of put that in that space and so i just wrote it on there i wrote it in blue paint pen and then i kind of highlighted a couple of the words in red as well so outside of that i mean i pretty much covered everything there's some doodlage here and there nothing specific primarily like in between the the, the boobs and the under boobs uh, there's a little bit of just some random paint and paint pen line work it's uh it almost resembles something in flight or some wings but there's no specific structure or form to it so it just kind of curves and follows the under boob area and it's uh it's kind of a light yellow in color and then i've got just some some accent lines of blue and red underneath and kind of coming up through the middle around the sternum and that folks, is the front of the piece. That is the bulk of the uh, of the graffiti, the, the doodleage, the decoupage, and all of the, the fun stuff on the front end. Now, I mentioned before on the back of the piece that I filled it with silk flowers because I wanted a way to tie in something different, um, even though I've used silk flowers a lot something that doesn't really fit with the rest of the theme and I felt like I would have them on the shoulders to kind of look like it they're overtaking the 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 nature is kind of overtaking the the city and the the uh, graffiti the the very crude and um, I guess heavy or... Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to explain it. It's just... So, the, uh, on the shoulders, like above the shoulders, around the head, and kind of coming around, there are no arms. It's just it's just kind of like a where the shoulders, where the arms would be. Kind of just overlaps, and there's some pinks and blues and whites. Just a variety of different, different colored flowers. I don't know anything about flowers. I don't know what kind of flowers they are. They're just random. And... There's some leaves and some other foliage and stuff and so it's just kind of there so it's kind of like a nature taking over the city type thing whatever um, as it kind of just overlaps and then as you kind of work your way down the back you see a transition from all these like spring-like flowers and very colorful to a very um, autumn type transition so that as you work your way down about about a third of the way it starts to transition into your your oranges and reds and yellows and, and gold colors, browns, and, and there's lots of very specific fall foliage. And so um, that's where my heart is, and that's where my mind lives all the time, is in autumn. And uh, that's what I decided to, to kind of do. So there's, there's a lot happening. There's a lot going on. Um, and so I also because it's so random and it doesn't make sense and there's no real rhyme or reason to most of it. I had printed off the original WWF logo, the classic logo to use in another project. And so I had a few different sizes left over. So I'm like, I'm just going to use this. It doesn't make sense anyway. So I, I put a right square on the back of the head, just boom, WWF logo. Boom right there. Um, why? Cause I do what I want. And that's that. Uh, I, I failed to mention that uh, going back to the front with all of the the newsletter stuff, because I talked about releases and re-releases and things like that. So i made sure that some of the stuff that was in the newsletter wasn't painted over so that I could highlight some of those areas. And a lot of it is just kind of like a couple of different records that, that are featured artists. And one of them is Dr. Dre's The Chronic Album. And uh, another one is uh, like a picture of Eric Carr from, from Kiss. He was a, uh, drummer once uh, Peter Chris had left the band and before Eric Singer had joined the band so he's uh, kind of revered as one of the, the, the better drummers of all time and uh, we lost him to cancer uh, quite some time ago but I wanted to make sure that he was prominent in the image and, and uh, yeah so there's there's a lot of stuff There's obviously I, I featured the Metallica uh, 72 Seasons album is on there and there's just a lot of just different. If you look close, you'll find articles and different uh, words and bands mentioned. And, and like you got to get up real close. And from a distance, you just see newsprint. You see words. You see text, copy, images, you know, headlines, so forth. And then the closer you get, the more you see. There's always more to the story, Paul Harvey style, if you know what I'm saying. And so that's what uh, that's what we have here. That is the that is the piece the giant three-dimensional doodle coming at you, silk flowers, um, local Rochester awesomeness, and just a variety of different textures, colors, patterns, and just everything in your face. In your face! All right, so I want to kind of wrap up this week's episode by thanking uh, some listeners. Obviously, I want to thank all the listeners. Marley Ramon's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast listeners are absolutely the very best in the universe. I've never seen such dedication or uh, willingness to to support uh, some dumbass with a microphone. So I appreciate that very very much. But I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge listeners on a global level. And so I'd like to take a, a few minutes. It won't take me that long because the list isn't that long. However, it is important to me and and it's absolutely appreciated to acknowledge my listeners in Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Germany, India, Netherlands, Nigeria, Pakistan, Poland, and Singapore, and of course, the great U.S. of A. Uh, But I couldn't do this without you. Without you, there's no me. I could easily record and listen to it myself, but what's the point of that? Uh, I can talk to myself by myself without even recording it. But the fact that you take time to listen to me week after week is uh, is a big deal to me, and I appreciate that. So, you know, what would be gratitude without a shameless plug? Hey, have you gone over to Spreadshirt.com to get your official Marley Ramones Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast merch? That's right, we've got t-shirts, stickers, coffee mugs, you name it. There's lots of goodness there. Get you a hoodie, rock a t-shirt, be the coolest kid on your block. The coolest kid in town. Everybody be like, what? Where'd you get that, man? Hook a brother up. So check it out. Go over there. Okay, folks, thank you for joining again this week. Art is a powerful thing, and I appreciate your willingness to hear my stories. And if you keep listening, I'll keep talking. I urge you to do what makes you happy. And never accept anyone that treats you less than. Have the courage to be you and try things on. Besides, every day is Halloween. Special thanks to our friends at Pecan Pie and Subsonic Voodoo for providing these epic musical selections. To see these works as discussed, follow on Facebook at Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast page or on Instagram at MRMMHOD. You can find this podcast on most major streaming platforms. And most importantly, If there's one thing that you take away from this stupid little podcast, it's to remember that you are not alone ever. Dial 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or Veterans Crisis Line, also 988, then press 1 or text to 838-255. Until next time, be creative and go tell someone you love them.